it's also something that probably contributes a lot to, you know, perspective is everything. And, and I think that really gives you an interesting perspective. And so at this point, you walk up to the, to the building uh, that you see the ad for in the paper and, and say, this is where I'm going to start or how, how does that work? And, and what'd you do on day one? I was sitting at the home infusion that day and our server was down. So there was not much we could do. Okay. So I'm talking to uh, a colleague of mine. <clears throat> she's in enrollment of patients, right? And she's like, I mean, why are you daydreaming? And I said, you know what? I don't want to be here. <laughs> you know, well, this is down. My mind is just thinking I need to go back to independent pharmacy. So I was sad that that lady had sold. And so I'm trying to find how do I go back to it and not go to the chain? Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to open my own pharmacy. And she laughs at me. We still laugh about this. She's like, here you go again. I mean, dreaming of <laughs> all this. I said, I am. And she said, do you know anything about opening a pharmacy? I said, no, but I've seen enough and I just need to find space. So I go on Google and I said, um, <clears throat> space for business, for pharmacy. <laughs> and this phone number comes up. So I call this number and this gentleman says, yes, actually we have a space. And he gives me the address. Do you know it was right across the street from the CVS that I had left? People <laughs> think it was intentional that I went back to that community, but no. So it was this phone number on Google. And they said, yes, we have a space. And they said, it's on Village Lake Drive. And I said, Village Lake Drive? When can I meet you? So we arranged to meet on the weekend and I see the space across the street from the CVS that I worked. So I say, the universe is telling me I have to do this. So I was like, I want this space. And while I'm talking to him, a lady comes out of, uh, there was a family dollar, there was a dry cleaner. A lady comes out, the family dollar it was one of my patients. And she says, Amina, what are you doing here? We have been looking for you. They didn't tell us where you left. And I asked her this question. I said, if I open a pharmacy here, would you come? She was said, absolutely. Here's my phone number. So I said, here goes a confirmation. And as I'm talking to her, an older gentleman coming out of the dry cleaner, Mr. Fred goes, Amina hugs me. He was he's like, I missed you so much. We, no one will tell us which store you went to. They thought I was transferred to another CVS. Oh, and wow. they were trying to find me. So I told this guy, I want this space. And so I said, that is so cool. It is so crazy. I signed this space and I said, okay, so what do I do next? I went online on Google again. How do you open a pharmacy? And I got a whole, like McKesson showed up, uh, North Carolina Mutual, you know? Okay, bye. So I talked to North Carolina Mutual and they took a chance with me. So they took a chance and said, Tell us your story, why you want to open. I said, I found this place right across of the CVS that I worked. This is what happened. I know this community. I know all the patients that go there. And so they said, and I said, and I don't have money either. <laughs> <laughs> and it was 2009 and the banks were not giving any loans. Right. So they said, we're going to give you <clears throat> one year, $120,000 credit. Okay. And we're going to help you get started. 
And I said, that's all I need, 120,000, I have credit, I have the space. And my friend who had sold the pharmacy had some fixtures that were stored somewhere. And she always told me, she said, you will make a very good independent pharmacy owner one day. And if you need, here are the computers, here are counters and baskets. I was naive to think that's all you needed to open a pharmacy, but (laughs) I am a person who's not afraid to fail. See, and again, what you said, perspective is everything. So where I come from, this is already more than I have. So it's okay. So I was like, what's the worst that could happen? It can't be worse than what I've seen. Because in America, the worst, I could work at McDonald's and have a paycheck. That is more than a lot of people have options around the world where you could still get money and live. Maybe not how you want to, but you're not going to be out the streets. So because that's my bottom line, it's like if the bottom line is still better. (laughs) That's, yeah. You know, it's actually, it gives me hope to try things because it's okay if I fail, you know? And so I was able to take that leap of faith and with the resources that Mutual gave me, now I went back to my friends at the, at the in-home infusion and there were a few pharmacists that I knew and I said, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to need y'all's help because I want to continue working here three days a week so I can have some income. And then I reached out to some of my other friends that still worked at the chain because at those days we used to work 14 hour shifts, right? So you, you would have a week that you worked four days and you had three days off, you know, or you worked three days and you had four days off. So I mm. told a few friends, each one of you are going to cover me in this new store one day. I have no money to pay you, but one day I will. <laughs> okay. I said, one day I have the money and I'll pay you. But for now, let's just make this happen. And they said, we're on board, Amina. We'll help you. And that's exactly how I opened the first store. And the day we opened, I realized how much I had meant to so many of those patients that two years. Because we sent out flyers with my photo in there and the phone calls that came and the patients that transferred My supervisor at that district is still my friend till today. She said, I had never seen something like that before because they sent coupons to these patients to transfer back. And the patient said, that's not worth it. We're going to meet. We don't want your $15. Wow. That's how strong relationships I had made that I hadn't realized by taking care of the patients the way they felt was the right way to take care of a $50 coupon was not worth it. They were getting $50 per prescription that goes back and they say no. And I still have so many of those patients until today. I just keep them until I attend their funerals, you know, because they really meant that much to me too. Sure. Sure. So So that's just how my story was of building it. They took me to their churches They are the ones who marketed. I have to tell you this, Will. I didn't even have the time to make an official recording on the phone that had, thank you for calling this pharmacy. And I remember one of my older patients came to me one day and said, Amina, I want to give you a gift. 
I don't like the voicemail on your <laughs> on your message where it says, I even forgot about it. It says, you have reached 704. <laughs> and, and I said, you're right. I forgot about all those things, right? Right. I was now transferring prescriptions, filling them, and using the mutual 120,000 credit to only order what these patients are transferring. And so that's how I did it. So-and-so is transferring, I'll use three, I'll buy three months of their supplies using that money. So I just budgeted the 120. As we grew, I would return so-and-so's one month supply and buy the next patient's one month supply using that 120,000 credit. So, so it there, was a necessity. I can't believe I've never heard this story. Um, but that is, so, so a couple of things that stand out, like A, because of your perspective, your risk tolerance is much different than the the average person's risk tolerance, I think, at that. Because we have this uh, very elevated comfort level uh, that we're, you know, we've gained this much ground. It's hard to, you know, risk anything, you know. So risk is such a, a challenging thing. So I think that's really cool how you, how you took that. But the other thing that stands out is that, um, you know – you were doing so much work that you're technically not getting paid for, but you've built so much goodwill in the community that, you know, there's, there's so much value that was demonstrated in that process that, you know, it, it is really impossible to put a price tag on. Like, it's such a cool story. Looking back and listening to these patients and what they say that relationship meant to them, you know? Now I can say that was our net worth. Yeah. 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 So I did that. And so the gentleman that I was talking about, he said, I have a radio voice. So him and his wife came after work, recorded for me. They helped me put the signs up. They took me to their churches. They, they forced their friends and neighbors. They're like, this is now <laughs> Amina's drugstore. Remember I was telling you about my pharmacist, Amina? This is now her drugstore. And they were so proud of, the, of that idea that they wanted me to succeed so bad that nothing was going to stop them. You know? yeah. And so that's just how we finally became a real pharmacy. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, cause you were, I know you guys were one of the first few to adopt, like, Hey, we're going to do an appointment based model, put it on our website. I remember last time you talked and you're like, Hey, we, you, you, you put out testing appointments and thinking, I haven't talked about this on social media at all. And, and all of a sudden they're just all taken up. That was, um, yeah. sounds like nine years ago, but, um, has that bled through into anything else like appointment based? Is it, is it kind of bled into other areas of your business to try to kind of like, we're all kind of hoping that a little bit of that is here to stay right. An appointment based model. Yeah. So all of our point of care testing now, even outside of the COVID testing is, is all uh, appointment based. So um, our flu, um, our strep, uh, we do a combo flu COVID that I'm sure others do as well. Um, plus, plus the COVID antigen, COVID PCR, COVID antibodies, all, all of those are appointment based for us. Uh, and, and that really opened the door whenever we started in June or July of last year with the, uh, the COVID testing to, to, to the scheduling. Uh, and while we have not gone that way with flu vaccine, mm -hmm. um, this, this year, um, 
most of the patients that that uh, reach out to us about flu shots now are starting to ask, do we need an appointment? And so we have been mm-hmm. we have been really um, slow on our uptake of wanting to schedule appointments because to the to the to the workflow point that does create one other piece of workflow. If somebody schedules an appointment, that also creates an expectation that when one fifteen gets here and Miss Jones walks in, that you've got all of her paperwork ready, you've got your label printed, and that you're ready to go. Um, and frankly, we've just been just overwhelmed enough between our testing and our vaccines for COVID to make sure we've got all of those uh, in place and, and operationalized and ready to go uh, to, to add flu into the mix. And so are we going to get there? Yeah, we're going to get there. We just haven't rolled it out this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right? Well, hey, so, you know, Mark, you were asking about uh, I'll segue here. Mark, yeah. you were asking about uh, <laughs> scheduling. Um, and I do want to give, you know, Pioneer and Josh uh, some some props for um, earlier this year. Josh convened a group of of uh, three uh, Pioneer users from from around the country, uh, an Arkansan, a Texan and a Pennsylvanian to uh, all oh, come wow. together and talk about um, what we needed around uh, vaccines and testing as it related to the Pioneer ecosystem. Uh, and so what that what that resulted in was feedback being given that the immunization screen now pops up with the ability to input lot and expiration mm-hmm. date and save um, those until they're changed or until the next day. And many of those eligibility check features on that screen, a lot of the, the, the bulk patient uploading process, Josh, I know I'm leaving a bunch of stuff out, but um, that didn't happen just because Pioneer knew exactly what needed right. to be happened. Mm-hmm. I give you guys uh, kudos for, um, you know, just having an informal focus group come together and say, hey, uh, we, we hear that there's there's issues that we can help you guys solve, help us understand those issues. And so those processes have really um, made the, the huge amounts of immunizations that we've been billing and, and other pharmacies around the country have been billing so much easier than it would have been otherwise reporting to the immunization registries, et cetera. And so just a big thanks to, to, to you, Josh, and your team for, uh, for being willing to listen and then being willing to implement in such a timely way. Hey, it was our pleasure. I'm glad we could help get it. I, I will say I haven't seen a 3 a.m. email from you, Mark, or Rannon right. in months. Yep. yep. So, you know, I, I feel pretty good about that, actually. Yeah, early early on, you were certainly getting that because mm-hmm. the uh, the there, there was lots of opportunity for yeah. improvement. And whenever you're again back to the workflow conversation, you know, whenever your workflow has been this for so long, and all of a sudden, instead of doing thirty vaccines a day in your normal flu shot day or fifty, whatever it happens to be, and you're you're doing three hundred, uh, and there are ninety five percent new patients to your pharmacy, and so you're trying mm-hmm. to input patient profile, find yeah. insurance information, you know, do all the, do all that stuff. Uh, it, it, it was taking seven and eight minutes per person right. to add a new patient process, a claim, and you multiply that by 200, 250 people a day. And all of a sudden you have, uh, really made, made your day that much harder and longer. So, so appreciate yeah. everything y'all done to help with that. So the, the nice thing that'll actually come out of that and is live now, we actually were able to take that bulk uploader and put a become a patient where you can put on your webpage and a patient can go through and enter all their information and that'll flow directly into Pioneer now. Um, and then we rolled out a couple of beta locations on the, the scheduler. Obviously, we tried to go people who were a little bit slower than you. On, yeah. yeah. 
I don't, I don't want to beta test the scheduler with 30,000 vaccines. So we slowed that down a little bit. I would not have been your beta tester anyway. Yeah, uh, we, yeah. We, we, we have Come a process that is big. working at the moment. Yeah, no, so I, was, I, 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 was, I didn't even I was think to ask. To, to, yeah. to change that, but thank you for, for that. So next year for flu shots, though, <laughs> yeah. we should be pretty we dialed in. Excellent, excellent. I mean, I think that's this is what's great about the last 18 months, as perverse as that sounds, is that um, I think all of us are looking at pharmacy completely different than we did in January or February of 2020. I mean, I think we can, we've seen where revenue can be generated from. That's not necessarily putting pills in a bottle. I think that's right. exciting. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, I worked, I worked in our, in our store on, on Saturday morning and I did six or eight immunizations, uh, which were a combination of flu and COVID before I filled my first, um, traditional prescription. Uh, and, and that, those were the first people that came in the door. They were looking for those, those clinical services. Now, whether, whether or not that is a long, long-term sustainable uh, thing, I think that's yet to be determined. But, but I do think it's gotten patients thinking different about who we are and what we do. I think it's gotten us thinking differently about, you know, what we're capable of doing and how we're able to stretch ourselves and do things different, which comes to, are we in the right space? It comes to, you know, what other, what other needs do we have from a billing perspective? All those questions that we haven't been forced to even address, I think, are really coming to light now. Uh, and that's a good thing because that's going to challenge our businesses to grow, expand, get better, become more efficient. Uh, and I, I couldn't be more excited about that part of the last, of the last year and a half. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I think you said it last, right? Necessity is one of those, one of those Necessity cool sayings, the right? There you, there you yeah, go. There you go. That's what I told it was. you I use that all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was one of those, yeah, I guess time frames. you can't even say a year, 18 months that really just made people do something different. It, it, it really did. And it's been fun to watch like as, as bad as it's, as it's been, it's been kind of cool to see everyone tackle something a little differently. And to, to more importantly, to know that you can do it once you got yeah. out there and yeah. did it. Yeah. And, and I think that's what that, that fear of not knowing that you can do it, I think has stopped people for years from being willing to try something new and almost being forced into a corner to do it because mm-hmm. your patients are demanding it and society needs it. Uh, is kind of affirming to, to know after all the years of doing things the same way, eh, I can do something different or right. I can add something yeah. new. And yeah, it's hard. And yeah, there are challenges, but yeah, there's reward to it as well. And I think patients are happier than ever humanly possible with their independent community pharmacist after the last year and a half, because every step of, of everything we have done has been for them. Uh, and they recognize that and mm-hmm. they appreciate it. I think uh, the healthcare team sees what we have done, the physicians, the hospitals, um, et cetera. And I think they are appreciative and couldn't be happier with with what we've done. And and overall, I think even the payers appreciate that yeah. if we hadn't been there as independent pharmacists, um, then the cracks would have been huge that patients would have fallen through. Uh, and when you look at communities all across the, the country, the, the groups that stepped up and really pulled a lot of these communities through the early days of the immunizations, they were the independent pharmacies. And but for us, what would have happened? And I think that's a that's a great message that we all should take pride in. Yeah, especially when you're talking about reaching the most vulnerable, you know, the most accessible. I, that's why I think it's here to stay to a degree. Like I think people enjoyed or relied on a accessible healthcare provider 
that you couldn't get into anywhere else almost. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's right. You couldn't get into, uh, in a lot of places. Uh, and yet we were still open our doors late at night. We were right. still coming to a pharmacy on Sunday. We were still, you know, meeting, meeting people at a pharmacy to do a test or to, you know, drive to their house to do right. uh, a vaccination or whatever it is. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of, of, uh, what we are as, as, uh, independent pharmacy owners. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that was surprising to me was watching a lot of rural communities and their, the ability to really promote public health in a way that hadn't been done before in a pharmacy, or at least hadn't really been publicized well before, you know? So I, I think when you go back and look at what the effects on public health in the future, you know, there, you know, campaigns around social determinants of health and there's campaigns around these, all these other things, but nobody really thought about how fast we needed to push that down into the pharmacies because they're the ones in the communities. And, you know, even historically when, you know, an independent pharmacy went out of business in a community, the collective shrug of everybody else in in the state was kind of like, meh. But now I think you're going to look at it and say, man, if this independent pharmacy disappears from this community, the community as a whole is worse. Um, and so we, I think we have evidence now that you can go out and say, hey, these pharmacies have to exist. You have to pay them a living wage to b- dispense the drugs and provide the services. And maybe it means that you have to pay them more for being in a rural area than you would pay, you know, in an urban or a suburban affluent area. So I, I think you have different, you know, avenues to approach why it's super important to have that pharmacy on the street corner more now than we ever have before. CMS final rule that came out about DR being, um, you know, calculated at the point of sale. I am scared to death that that's going to lead to the, you know, what I'm calling the Great Depression of community pharmacy because on January 1, 2024, DR is going to be withheld at the point of sale, which means the product reimbursement is going to be as low as possible and retroactive is going to be happening at the same time for previous. Yeah, you got three months got, of overlap. You got double DR, yep. double DR, and nobody. Like, you got you this heard big crunch coming, right? You got this yeah, big crunch. Complain about DR. Yeah. What about double DR? Yeah. Like, you you won't be able, and I think there will be predatory acquisition of pharmacies. So now this is my uh, call to action to all my colleagues to really think about this and consider January 1, 2024 is the time. You know, in the agriculture world, that's where my family came from. And during the Great Depression, some people bought land, some people sold land. The people that bought land are still doing really well today. People that sold land are doing something else. And so we need to think about pharmacy in the same way. And now's the time we were blessed with a year and a half to shore our businesses up right. with mm-hmm. services, layer on as many things as possible, be strategic, stockpile as much capital yeah. as you can, because that's going to be tough to survive. But those of us that do, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be wonderful on the other side, but we right. should be scared because it's scary. Yeah. When I read that final rule, I was, I, I was like, hold on. Let me, I drew it out on my whiteboard and I was like, from January to April, it's going to be a bloodbath. Yep. Because there, there was no correction for that overlap period when you have, you're getting charged at the time and then you're, you're short, you're true up in the end of the first quarter. So you're right. I, I, I think you're not wrong in that it's going to be scary for a month or a quarter, but once everybody makes it out of that, at least you'll know that how much you're getting robbed when you're getting robbed. Um, and I think that's the platform for going back to say, Hey, look, this isn't fiction anymore. These are hard dollars that I can show you. And and I think if you can make it through that quarter, you'll be all right. But 
start saving now. Yeah. So yeah. two things there. You said, you said, I think you, you kind of glossed over it, but you said during that time period or ramping up to it, you feel like there could be some predatorial acquisition movement going on. I do. Yeah. I do. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it in states that had you know, what I would consider somewhat predatory Medicaid reimbursement issues. And then right. acquisition happens afterwards. And all of a sudden there's a, you know, the landscape completely changes because of a finite period of time. Mm-hmm. I, I could see, I mean, I could totally see that happening right now. Right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I'm a supporter. Like I've, I've been, you know, I, I've been working with NCPA for years on DR reform, uh, unintended consequences of DR. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, transparency is the, the best medicine here. So I, I think it's going to be okay. I just want to make sure everybody's prepared for you're, what's getting ready to happen. Yeah. You're, you can't yeah. have enough canaries in the coal mine right now about this yeah, crunch 20, coming. Like I, I spend know, people half, talk about rent crunch right now yep. going on with interest rates going up and, and, and housing prices going up. Yeah. There's a, there's a pharmacy industry coming in 2024. Yeah. It's right? funny. It, yeah. The day after I read that, Jeff and I were talking about, I think we all, all three of us are yeah, talking we about that, that first quarter overlap going. That's going to be rough. You better start escrow now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But the good news is, so let's, let's end that yeah, on positive. Let's go. We have 18 months, yep. right? Plus there's so much service opportunity out there. If, if, if there ever was a time to find new partners to do non-traditional payment opportunities, like now is the time build that up. You've got 18 months to get there. So this is, and this is where we're focusing our business. Like we're in complete restructure mode. Uh, uh, I think, um, that lights a fire under us to go out and to, I don't want to say sell, but go out and to really hustle. Mm-hmm. You know, that I need to be out hustling every day. I don't need to be on the bench. Like everybody, and you want your job, you need me out hustling every day, trying to get us more, more service opportunities, because that's going to shore up this for, for the sustainable long term. And I just encourage everybody to do the same. And now's the time because man, coming off of COVID, like I saying, chronic disease is a problem. I, last three provider groups I've talked to, I mean, they're, they were like eyes wide open, like, oh, crap, like we're in trouble. We need some help. And so we just had where maybe it wouldn't have been as receptive of a conversation two years ago. Now sure. it's like, hey, how can, how can we work together? So that's been, that's been real rewarding. So, so now's, now's a good time. So talking to those provider groups, are you talking about like handling some of their chronic care management or annual wellness visits through Medicare? Or are you talking about different types of services? Yeah, so I'm talking about walking in with... Um, a whole bunch of stuff in your back pocket that you can do and seeing where they're seeing where their their pressure points uh-huh. are and then pulling out a couple of things out of your pocket that, that'll work. So chronic care management's definitely one of them. Um, that that's been leading some of the conversations that we've had recently. Um, we're finding a lot of opportunity in the 340B world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a ton of opportunity in 340B, layering services into that. So that's that's a whole lot of fun. That's one that um, I'm really up on. I think that's a good place for us to play. And I could unpack that too if you want to. And then um, also uh, other maybe unexpected places like opioid deprescribing and like um, ACO metrics and like, uh, you know, I I didn't even know what an accountable, I mean, I knew what an ACO was, but didn't really understand until coming and sitting in some of these provider meetings. And now I'm like, I understand where your problems are. Yeah, I totally get it. In like health home situations that I didn't even know existed. And now I'm like, oh, the state has a Medicaid health home. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we could help with those metrics. So it's interesting to get in because everybody needs help. And it all goes back to this first conversation. Who needs the help? It's that last mile local group that's costing the money, they're at risk. Like it's the worst 
and, and they don't have broadband. They don't have cell phone minutes. That's the one that pharmacy knows. I could walk in up front. I'm at LNS Pharmacy in Charleston, Missouri, and they probably without, I think without exception, if somebody said, hey, we need to get a hold of so-and-so in this county, I've got somebody within two degrees of family, they can get a hold of that person. Wow. They know where they live. Yeah. And I, it's that way everywhere. It's that way everywhere. So I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that this last mile care, and it all goes back to, and I'll, I'll, I'll end it at this, go to these provider meetings, public health meetings, community health workers, really doesn't matter. It's all the same process. If you have an appointment-based workflow where you, where you can layer on additional services or follow up specific calls or COVID vaccination and hesitancy conversations or whatever it is, as long as the workflow's there, like you can layer on any, it's the same process. It doesn't matter doesn't matter what it is. It's follow-up. It's right. being an expert in follow-up. Gosh, that's, that's big and exciting. So your, so your, so your kind of message out in the world is like, yeah, that's going to be a tough crunch. There's just tons of service opportunity. And that, and all of those that you're talking about, those are in some way active in, in your stores at the moment. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 Or not in stores, you know, or it's a That's true. You're talking about like kind of like contract. separating services from yeah, pharmacy. So let me tell you about our kind of how our business and this, yeah. I've, I've had to, this is a huge education thing for, for us and our staff. So, um, I had this aha moment, uh, 18 months ago, I guess, or COVID vaccinations first started. And I, I heard some chatter. It's like, Hey, he wasn't even one of ours. Somebody that came in that got a COVID child. I was like, yeah, he's used other pharmacy down the street forever. He's not, I was like, no, no, no. Like, we need to redefine ours. Yeah. If they've received any service or a prescription, they're ours. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have all their services from us. They don't have to have all their prescriptions for us, but they're, they're ours. And so trying to rethink what we consider ours. And so we've got three pharmacies that we own and operate right now. So those are essentially lines of business. We've got a services line of business and services is services. It may be for patients in the pharmacy. It may be for patients outside of the pharmacy. It's got its own budget. It's got its own people. Uh, we jumped all into that last year. Um, we're a little over a year into, like I tried to say, hey, we're, my dad and I said, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. We hired a clinical pharmacist, former resident of ours, and said, we're going we're going to go. Like We think this will work so much so that we're going to invest in it. And we happened to do it about the time that vaccinations were big. So we're like, we can prop this up with COVID vaccinations right. now, figure out how to do it. It's perfect timing, right? And then we've got a, um, a consulting side where we do projects for SFIS. And mm-hmm. so, you know, th- those are our lines of business. They overlap sometimes. Sometimes they're independent. They're looked at separately. What we, what, what, what we can't have, and I was just talking to a friend of mine about this a minute ago, we can't have other lines propping up the pharmacies. Those pharmacies have to stand alone. You know, we, we have to make sure that services aren't propping up. You can't be profitable on services, losing on pharmacy, right. and be at a net loss. Right. And that's where we're sitting right now. Like our pharmacies are leaking money. Um, it's just the nature of, so we're, we're in this restructuring now to say, okay, we're doing well in consulting and services. These pharmacies are really having trouble. So let's, let's make sure that we can shore up the pharmacies, which was what we're doing right now with efficiency and make sure that, you know, um, if, uh, if you got somebody that's getting services that we're using the right staff and, and, and we, we can make that work. So between now and 18 months from now, yeah. we're, we're solid on all, every one of those lines of business and one's not propping up the other one. That makes a, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Flip the Pharmacy and uh, what you guys are kind of diving into. Uh, we're starting cohort three at this point. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what you've done and where you're headed. 
So I do help to lead the flip the pharmacy efforts in Ohio. And I also coach pharmacies as well as our pharmacy participated in cohort one. So we're kind of wrapping up um, like with the formal program, but we'll continue on and stay engaged because I think, you know, that is something that's really important to keep pushing us and having accountability measures because it, that's one of the, I think, best things that Flip the Pharmacy has brought. You know, it's this bite-sized chunk each month of like, here's what you should be doing to kind of elevate yourself to the next level. Um, and and without that sort of putting a deadline on it and, and having some sort of like hyper focus for the month, it's really easy to just say, yeah, well, we're doing a lot of other stuff and we're just too busy for for these other things right now and you know COVID's changed that to some degree um that it's kind of reshaped how we're doing things a little bit but um that being said we have we put 10 pharmacies through um that first cohort the second was um i think about 25 26 pharmacies and we had some from bordering states um an indiana pharmacy a couple michigan pharmacies so that was cool to collaborate with cpsn michigan um and then those pharmacies from cohort two we're going to mesh with our new cohort three group and have about uh so for that put 60 pharmacies going through together and we're going to try and do a little bit of a reset for the cohort two folks because most of their flip the pharmacy experience thus far has been covid related um and, you know, that has caused us to really uh, evolve quickly in the pharmacy. Um, so, you know, good or bad, we've, we've learned a lot and um, have really focused on that appointment-based model and figured out how to do all these immunizations and testing and, and different things. So we've done a lot as far as practice transformation, but we'd like to get back to, um, you know, some of the chronic care management things that we were initially focused on. And honestly, pre-COVID, when we went through the hypertension progression, that was just a really cool experience for our pharmacy because, um, you know, we're used to filling a, a blood pressure medication. You know, maybe you get a chance to talk to the patient about what their blood pressure is and how things are going. But to say, um, you know, for the next month, we're going to be focused on capturing these blood pressure readings from patients and really purposefully having those conversations, recording lab values, and then revisiting that each month um, or sooner if they weren't at goal. We got to a point where we had a lot of patients that, um, you know, they'd walk up to pick up their prescriptions and they'd rattle off their latest blood pressure to me. Like I checked it this morning. Here's what it was because they knew we were going to ask. Nice. Um, so it kind of pushed them to, to be more um, cognizant of their monitoring. And then people that weren't at goal, um, you know, we were taking a ton of blood pressures in the pharmacy and we had people that were just stopping, you know, every couple of days or, or daily to get their blood pressure checked uh, because they wanted to make sure that we did get them to goal and then reaching out to physicians with those readings and having them say, yeah, absolutely, we should, we should change that medication that's accepting our recommendations. Uh, so we just were from a, you know, provider satisfaction standpoint, you know, it was very rewarding. And then also for the patients, I think they were glad to say, well, somebody's watching out for me and we can get this done. And and not that we don't want them to go to the doctor, but if it's something that we could get done without them having to have a separate appointment and then they still, you know, are following up in, you know, three months or whatever the next appointment time was, but we don't necessarily need to wait till their three month appointment to, to get their blood pressure a goal. So that was a cool thing, I think for everybody. Um, and, hoping to kind of get back there as hopefully we get some more normalcy, um, in, in the coming months. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, that that's got to change the, the psychology of, you know, any, any kind of health concerns for a patient too, because, 
Um, you know, I'm just thinking about uh, my father. <laughs> you know, he lived in New Orleans, and uh, and he he loved the food in New Orleans. <laughs> and and I remember him telling me that he had a doctor's visit coming up, and he was not looking forward to it because he knew he was going to be in trouble, right? Um, but it was this thing in, in the future that. It was like, yeah, I'll, I, I got to worry about it then, and then I'm going to get in trouble, and then I'm probably going to eat better for a week afterwards. But then I've got, you know, six or 12 months until I have to go um, be held accountable again. So being able to have like that personal goal where you can go in, and it's like working with a personal trainer almost, where you have that accountability, and you're like, yes, I see progress, I'm moving forward. You know, it, it's a much different approach. Um, you know, that, that proactive, uh, engagement instead of just, you know, yeah, it turns out nothing's changed and that didn't change anything. Imagine that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you're working with the, you know, continuing education with flip the pharmacy. Um, do you find that having the, um, the students in your pharmacy often kind of helps drive that energy and, and, and keep that kind of like, um, I don't know, keep you from getting comfortable, uh, where you're at. Yeah, it's, it's great. We love having students. I wish I could have a student all the time. Um, because they always just bring a fresh perspective into the pharmacy. Um, yeah. and, you know, everybody has a little bit of a different, uh, you know, background and where they've worked and, and what their experience has been thus far. So it's nice when we can kind of show them what we feel like community pharmacy should be. Um, but they always have tons of questions and ideas and, um, like, why would you do it this way? What have you ever thought of this? And, you know, streamline our processes and, and just bring, um, keeps us on our toes and are just super willing to jump into whatever we have going on for the month with the pharmacy and help to drive that, um, you know, because it's, if you can kind of task the student with, um, you know, well, we need to do X number of care plans and we're focused on blood pressures this month, you know, they are going to be the, the champion to kind of get things going in your pharmacy that month because they have some ownership of it. Uh, and, and that's been, been really great for us and our patients love interacting with the students and, um, you know, like I said, I wish I could have a student every month. Yeah, yeah. How how long is the rotation uh, when you when you have those students there? So we typically take Ohio Northern University students, and their rotations are one month long. So they're there for the calendar okay. month. So um, I was looking at your Facebook page for the pharmacy, and I thought that was so cool because, uh, especially in a small community, you know, you could see a new face there, and it could be kind of one of two things: like, oh, okay, that's one of the temp people, and they're you know. They're going to come and go. Uh, but you've kind of celebrated, hey, here's this new person starting their journey into pharmacy. We're happy to have them. So I saw on your Facebook you had, it looks like, uh, Rochelle, Luke, Kaylee, Connor. You had these smiling faces uh, kind of highlighted on your pharmacy page, which I think is so cool because it's really kind of put them in and uh, you know in the spotlight in, in your small community. So, you know, when you're when – you're, um, patients come in, I, I feel like there's already some of that connection that, that community pharmacists love and, and you know, that, that what, that's kind of what keeps them in the community pharmacy game at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And we love having them feel welcome and, and really appreciate our patients making them feel so welcome. Just to sort of kick things off a little bit. So we've got the NCPA annual meeting coming up um, very soon. And Jeff, you uh, 
Pioneer has been kind enough to support uh, the, one of the general sessions, and you you always um, speak. What you're planning? Are you planning to do that again this year? I mean, I know you're sponsoring it. Are you planning to do your presentation again this year? Yes, and it's not ready yet, but so but I don't it will know be. If anyone's, yeah, I don't know if anyone's. Can you tell us a little bit about that preparation? Because I don't know if I'm sure folks watching this podcast have probably seen. Jeff, he's a pretty good speaker, um, but so, and I don't say that uh, to blow, you know, smoke up your chimney. I probably just wouldn't say anything if you weren't any good. But what's your, what's your prep like? Can I answer this one? Sure. You can go ahead. So Jeff's prep work on any of his speeches, I've got to experience. Um, he'll read about two or three different books and then he'll get some ideas and some quotes and he'll pull those out and go, I like that, I'm gonna use that. And then he starts formulating, this is the story I'm gonna use because it'll go perfect with this quote. And then he starts writing it um, and he gets his word count because he goes, I know this word count gets me this many minutes. And then he memorizes a paragraph at a time and once he goes through it perfectly and does not have any changes and it just flows, then he moves on to the next paragraph. And the, the process continues and continues. And then he goes through on a, and this is like th typically about three weeks out from being on stage that all of this is starting and taking place. And then the final week, he is practicing the speech two to sometimes five a day, five times a day. He'll practice it in the morning and then he'll go, I've got it. I just missed a couple of words, but I'm almost there. Um, and then there's times where, you know, we're on the trade show floor and he'll go, he'll go, I'm going to step away and go practice real quick. And then it comes back and he goes, I've got it. I just need two more times. And he yeah. goes, I'm going to go step away again and I'm going to go practice. It's interesting. You know, I, I, I listened to like, uh, Craig spoke after, you know, I kind of did an introduction to Craig. He spoke at connect. So real quick, and how, how far off? It was or? close. He probably practice it more than that. Um, and, and there's a lot about, about Craig, his presentation, a little bit longer, very relaxed kind of PowerPoint deal and um that's that's generally not my i can do that in like an hour maybe but in a in a short um i try to get as much as i can in the time that i've been allotted and, you know and try to follow the kind of three points try to do some stories and kind of stuff like that so um I, so i really prepare really try to make everything right um too afraid to get up with more relaxed kind of like kind of like craig did um so that's kind of peace. I think this year I'm really going to be focused. I'll give people a teaser. Um, people come up to me. Uh, one of the things, you know, we're real big fans of CPSN. I, I think if, you know, you, you've got to be doing that. If you're not doing that, what do you think you're going to be, right? What are, you, what are you going to do? And we have a lot of people come up on the trade show floor and, and we'll ask, you know, ask, hey, are you in CPSN? And, and occasionally you'll get people who are like, yeah, I'm thinking about getting out. They haven't done anything. They're not doing anything for me. And, and what I'm going to talk about at NCPA is that's wrong. You need to be thinking about what you've done for them, right? We can't make anything happen unless a whole lot of people do it. So, you know, it, it comes a lot, uh, it's kind of cheesy day when you say it, but, but kind of back to your JFK, you know, ask not what your country's done for you, you know, what you've done for your country. And so, you know, we've got to change a mindset, Right. If, if your CPSN chapter in your state's not doing anything, that means they need your help. They need you to be involved. You need to find it. You need to call them up and say, what can I do? And that's going to be kind of the it's, it's going to be kind of a, a participation message with a couple of examples on 
on why they need to become more active. Maybe talk about what, what happened when a bunch of pioneer people called uh, Caremark at the same time, that kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to that um, on this podcast. Um, so just a little uh, teaser for this, this podcast, one of the podcasts I listened to, and I had to, I have to be honest, when I looked at the list of podcasts, I'm like, which one do I probably need to look at the most or listen to the most, but don't really want to. And um, <laughs> it was the one on e-care plans and, and Josh did it. Um, uh, it, it. I don't know if it's in the pot, in the catalysts, it's in the Catalyst family. It may be I know which one you're talking name. about. So and we, yeah, we kind of did like an internal podcast where Will, who is who does our yeah, podcast, yeah. Um, Beyond the Scripts, Josh. That was Beyond interviewed the script. um, Josh, Josh Helen okay. about eScripts. Yeah, but, yeah, it was good. It was really good. And I say it was hard, you know, I had when I picked, because, you know, I, I love talking about marketing for pharmacies. I love talking about getting paid for services, but the process of, you know, the filling out the e-care plan it's just, you know, I've got people on staff. Kurt does it on my staff does a great job of that. Yep. Just, I know how important it is. I know how essential it is. But as far as like voluntarily listening to an hour on it doesn't flip my switch. This was a really good podcast. It, you know, people nice. should listen to it. And it ties into something you just said, uh, Jeff, as far as, um, you know, build it and they will come. He, Josh made the point that pharmacists will say, well, I'll start, I'll start sending me care plans when I start getting paid for it. Yep. And he made a good point. Then you're never going to get paid for it. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Right. That's right. So, I mean, sounds like a little bit of a sermon, but no, uh, it's just true. he's right. He's you know, right. CPSN is a tool. If you're not used the tool to get better, stop dreaming of change and change. You know, that's the, that. Yeah. If anybody wants to know specifically which Beyond the Scripts episode that was, that was episode 32. Okay. If anybody Thanks. else wants to listen about Josh Howland and Will Tuff talk about eCare plans. Yeah, no, it was, and they talked about more stuff than that, but, but it was, um, it was, like I said, I had to kind of force myself to do it. But once I got started, it was, it was, uh, an easy listen, an easy, nice. good listen. Um, there's, there's a theme there in the, in the world of business that I think we struggle with. Um, and it ties to what you, you asked Jeff on, on presentations, great speakers prepare mm -hmm. tons, right? Uh, when you're going through college, they tell you spend three hours out of class for every hour you're spending in class. When you're playing a sport, you practice set six, seven days a week for an hour. Then you go into the world of business or run your own business, and you're literally playing the game the whole time, uh, and you're never practicing. Nice. And, and I like that. that I, I, I really like think a, a problem or challenge with a lot of small business owners. We spend our, our whole time playing the game and, and not practicing to get better. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.